there'll always be strength challenges that I want to, to pursue. Um, and, and I will keep training hard. I'll keep challenging myself uh, in, in a variety of different ways. I may, may even one day try something like a marathon or something like that. But uh, I just like being able to see what I can physically do. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to legendary strongman competitor, Lawrence Shalai, better known in the strength community as Big Laws. Laws has a storied strongman career, having competed in more than 10 World's Strongest Man competitions, winning Britain's Strongest Man twice, winning Europe's Strongest Man, and racking up more podium finishes in the sport than we can list in this intro. He's since made a successful transition over to sports color commentary, and he's building one of the strength sports world's fastest growing communities on YouTube and through his work bringing competitor insight to live events. But before we get into that, I want to say I'm incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbed Podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. This is one I'm very excited about. The man, the myth, the legend, the personality, Big Laws on the podcast today. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. You know, it's funny for uh, someone who's retired from uh, from a sport, you seem to, to be busier than ever. So kind of what's on your what's on your plate and your agenda these days? Uh, thanks. Well, firstly, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I probably am busier than I've ever been, which is um, is good. It's it's great. It's keeping me out of trouble. So that's that's the the first plus. Um, yeah, I said this. Um, I was chatting to a friend earlier. Actually, I had um, had Travis Altmaier. I was chatting to him on my show, and um, I was saying when I was an athlete, I was very lazy. I I lifted, I ate sat around doing very little. <laughs> Whereas when I, I, I decided to retire originally two years ago f- after getting injured at World's Strongest Man, I decided to set up my own coaching business. And then I got involved in a few other things, obviously the YouTube stuff now. And literally I'm a workaholic now. <laughs> I work sort of, you know, 16 hours a day, uh, but I'm very happy doing it. I'm doing something I love and enjoy. Um, it keeps my mind occupied. So I'm not sitting around, I used to suffer a bit with depression and stuff like that, and you know, mental health issues like so many people do. Uh, But this is a great way for me to cope with it, to be honest. I I try and stay in a very positive mental state these days, and I just like keeping myself busy, driving myself towards new goals. I think one of the hardest things for an athlete when they retire, uh, particularly athletes, not just strongman, but any sport, is identifying what they're going to find, you know, an interest in next. I've been very lucky that I can still do something in the sport I love, but I don't have to beat my body up every single day um, as you would as an athlete. So I'm, I've been very lucky and, and I'm in a great place mentally. Well, the transition from 
athlete too. I mean, you do a lot. You do you do coaching. You do a, a fantastic amount of work on the media side, which I really want to dive into. It seemed like you were almost a natural when it came to transitioning over to the media side. But I speak from some experience to say that never comes overnight and it never comes without some practice. It's a muscle like any other. You need to pattern it. You need to work on it. So when it came to transitioning over to the media side, whether that's recording podcasts, doing commentary, the numerous things you do... Is that something that you kind of had your sight set on years ago and started practicing a little bit, or did you just kind of dive right in the deep end recently? Um, a little bit of both. I, I, it was something I was always interested in. Uh, I always did, you know, I, I always wanted to think, what can I do after Strongman? And often when I was doing interviews as an athlete, a lot of people told me I would be good in that role. So it was something I'd kind of thought about. I hadn't really pursued it so much because obviously when you when you're trying to be the best strong man you can be your focus is that but after certain injuries and and I mean COVID was that was the real one because we just stuck at home not able to go anywhere not able to see anyone and I thought make the most of this opportunity start I started doing a few videos just on the history of strongman actually that's what I started doing a few I, I looked at a few events I think I looked at the log lift um, Atlas stones, those type of things. And I just thought, I'm just going to put a video together, narrate it myself. Um, and it, you know, it did okay. And then I thought I'll, I'll get some people on, do a bit of talking. Uh, and I just like, like yourself, it was just a more natural conversation that I wanted to focus on. And then I got the opportunity to do some commentary for the, the world ultimate strongman. They actually, they actually invited me over after I got injured at Worlds. So they, they kind of invited me without me asking to do it. I was just like, they, they, they wanted me to come and do the commentary for their show. So that was the real first, I, I mean, I, I can go back a lot further. I did some commentary with Colin Bryce while I was competing years ago. And it's quite funny if you go and back and watch that show because you can tell I was nervous and talking really quietly like this. And there was, there was no... Um, energy in the way I was talking. I mean, it's funny with commentating and any kind of presenting, you almost have to act like a complete nutcase to, to get that to portray on camera. If you, if you're quite flat in your voice and you just talk and you kind of, you know, have a normal conversation with someone, a little bit of that animation gets lost through the camera and the mic. So I've started to become even more animated when I'm doing commentary, but I do it on purpose so that it comes across as being, you know, genuinely exciting when people are listening. Um, I think when I'm talking about things that I know about, so strongman for me is something I've spent 20 years doing and I've, I'm not just an athlete. I'm a fan. I absolutely love the sport. I love the history of it. Uh, I can rattle off every single winner of World's Strongest Man and dates of, of, of events and stuff like that. Um, so that side of things was easy. The harder thing for me was the, the more presenting side of things, um, intros, outros. And I, I have tried to get better at it and I, I keep practicing and I'll watch things back and I, I want to improve. I want to, to keep getting better like I did with my training. So I don't think I'm particularly great at all. I've been lucky to work with some good people that have given me good advice. And I, I take that in just like I would from a coach or a nutritionist as the athlete. Now I'm trying to learn and develop in, in different areas. So absolutely um, love doing it. Really, really want to keep getting better at it, want to keep doing more. Um, but yeah, I, I, I am purposely trying to improve at it right now. 
Well, your first commentary gig was with Colin Bryce, and you talk about someone who's animated. It can be a little intimidating with with someone who's built their career around being the ultimate hype man in many ways for the sport. So, uh, you know, you talk about a trial by fire. We're going to have to go back. I'll link that in the in the show notes. Some of those uh, earlier videos. Who are some folks that you've really enjoyed working with? Be it doing commentary with them, having them on on your podcast, and interviewing them. As far as the personality goes, who do you just kind of jive with? Uh, so I, I've got to say, Don Idris, who is one of the co-owners of the Wuss organization, very interesting character. Uh, his knowledge of strongman isn't so great, but he's just such a uh, an energetic guy. He He's so keen to, to put on these extravagant events. And I, I love sort of just seeing how his brain works. You know, it doesn't, he doesn't think like the rest of us think. And I, I find that really interesting. And I've got to say Colin Bryce. Colin Bryce is a, a unique individual. Um, he, he's a bit of a, a Jekyll and Hyde character. Some people love him. Some people don't. I, I get on very well with him. And I've got a lot of respect for Colin because he has been in the sport for so many years and he, he stuck with it. And, you know, they've built Giants Live into a very big um, event now. Uh, I'm lucky to. I'm lucky that I'm working with a number of, of big promoters. Um, so I do the work with the worst guys. Colin and the Giants Live team have things planned that we're working on towards next year. A lot of behind the scenes action for their live streams and stuff like that. Um, and Colin has definitely been a big help in terms of the media side of things. He's given me tips. He'll ring me after I do uh, a show and. You know, almost like a mentor, give me advice because he's, you know, he's commentated at the Olympics. He's done all the strongman commentary for years and he does know what he's talking about. Even though he can come across as a bit of a mental guy at times, when you watch him and you listen to him, he's got a great voice. He knows when to talk and when not to talk and, and he knows how to lead. He knows how to be a, a color commentator. He knows how to be a lead commentator. So he's just got a lot of advice. Um, but those two, I love talking to them both because they really do that they're interesting characters and, and both very, very driven uh, to, to succeed uh, and both very helpful in terms of feedback and, and helping me improve what I'm doing. Every competition is different. And in, in fact, uh, we were we were just doing a little bit of work uh, with, with Giants Live and talking about the format of Europe's Strongest Man and how that compares to other shows. You know, everything's kind of packed in just a, a few hours. It's kind of a very hectic, very fast-paced show. Yeah, very much built, so. Built for an audience. And and that's something when we brought it to our, our, our readers and listeners and we'd like to mention to them, you know, a few folks hadn't really thought about that. We got some messages where folks were like, oh, I didn't realize that it was over that short of a time frame because people might be used to World's Strongest Man taking place over the course of five days, six days. There are a lot of misconceptions that I think fans, and you are an ultimate fan, maybe the ultimate fan in some ways, of Strongman to have if they haven't kind of been on the ground seeing a show live or competed in a show. What are some of those misconceptions that you think a lot of the the broader strongman fan base might still have when it comes to the nuts and bolts of the sport i think um i mean what you you kind of hit the nail on the head is every show is different and and ran differently so and we'll take those two extremes world's strongest man and giants live are probably the, the extremes you've got slowest pace competition and the fastest pace competition now if you're someone in the gym that likes to take your time you like to you know have a good amount of time between sets you might do one or two events a day in terms of training 
you're going to struggle when you go to a Giants live show because you've got to fit five events in in a fast pace. You don't have time to wait around and do your warm-ups when you want to. You're told you've got to go. You've got a few minutes to get onto the next event. And you do see guys that might do well at World's Strongest Man struggle in those one-day shows. Likewise, you see the guys that like the fast-paced shows because at a, at a normal show that once you start a one-day show, let's, for, let's take as an example, you start and you get on with it. Um, so if you have a bad event, you know, you just, you get on straight to the next event. It's not the end of the world because you're going to, you, the pace is moving all the time at world's strongest man. If your first event goes badly, you could potentially have to wait till the next day to do an event. So mentally you that, that can play on your mind. You've got a lot of time to sit around. There's not actually a lot to do at world's strongest man. A lot of the time you could be, you could do one or two events a day. And then you're just sat in your hotel room for the rest of the day. If events have gone badly, you're there and you're thinking about it and it's getting on your, you know, to you. Whereas when it's fast paced, you don't have time to just sit and, and mope and, and feel sorry for yourself. You've got to go and, and get on with the next event. So, and it can work in the opposite way as well. I mean, some people with that space, they, they have time to kind of recompose themselves, come back the next day. But you do, one thing I notice with athletes at Worlds it's not so much the physical exhaustion, it's the mental exhaustion. Because it is so long, because it is such a slow mover, because you've got – it's the one show where the cameras come first over the athletes. You know, they they will send up the drone to get their shot. They'll, they'll take, you know, shots again and again, very much like working on a film or something like that. They want, they want the visual when it goes out on TV to be perfect. The one-day shows are not so much like that. They're recorded around a sport – World's Strongest Man is an, it's like an event for TV. And um, they're, they're the big differences, I guess, between those shows. World's Strongest Man is still without question the king of the mountain in terms of titles to win. It's the title that, as a general fan, you know about. You know, as hardcore fans, we love the Arnolds, we love the worst competitions. You know, the Rogue Invitational looks like it's going to be amazing. But as a general fan, no one knows what they are. You know, that World's Strongest Man title is still the king for, for sponsorship deals, for recognition, and in terms of titles for athletes, that it's going to launch their career to, to a new level. When you were competing, which type of competition, Well, and we'll use those two extremes because there are plenty in the middle as well, right? The oh, fast-paced, tightly packed, or kind of the more drawn-out multi-day, which should you gravitate toward more as an athlete? And did that change over the course of your competition? I... Um, I Without question, preferred the one-day shows. The one-day shows in front of fans. You know, in, I loved competing in front of as many fans as possible. So the arena shows for me, personally, were were what I enjoyed. And you I have liked, the track record to kind of back this up, by the way. <laughs> yeah, my, my performances at World's Strongest Man were never as good as my one-day show performances. I mean, I did okay at Worlds. I made the final, I think, five times. I got to, I came fourth in 2011. But in the one-day shows, I've actually won more international titles than almost any other British athlete ever. Um, only Jeff Capes has won more than me in terms of international shows. So I, I was very good in the one-day shows where it was just get on with it. You know, I, I always found I was a bit nervous before the first event. And then once that was done... I was into it and I was one a little bit like a, an Evan Singleton now who really psychs himself up. I used to really get myself in a, a crazy rage and in a one day show, you can maintain that level of energy in a long paced show. And this is something I, I learned and had to change over time. 
you can burn out doing that. You know, being that aggressive, smashing yourself in the head with a stick. You know, that that was the kind of guy I was. I was. I do see like myself in Evan Singleton, especially when, when I was younger, because I used to get so pumped up. But for the the longer shows, it's not always the best approach. Because you, you get so worked up, you expend so much energy, and then you have this big come down, and then you've got to do it again and again and again. And you just find you can't maintain that level of energy for a week. I mean, World's Strongest Man, when I was competing originally, was 10 days to two weeks. They've shortened it um, from there. But I think Evan is going to do amazing in the one-day shows, and I think he's going to have to learn to control that energy expenditure at the, the drawn-out shows. Well, I love talking to experienced athletes, whether they're still competing or retired, about their post-competition routines. Everyone, you know, some people have that meal and every time they complete a competition, they eat this particular thing or they have this particular routine. Were you a creature of habit in that way, kind of after shows? Not really. I was just usually knackered after a show. (laughs) (laughs) Physically beat up. I, I, I really didn't have much of an appetite after competition. Uh, it was normally the next day the appetite would come back and I'd want to eat everything. Um, but no, because I've, I guess I've competed over such a long period of time, uh, things always change. You know, there was a time, some of the, the Giants live shows, for instance, used to be earlier in the day. So you'd, you'd get the show done, you'd have time to go back, chill out, have a rest, have a shower, wash, eat go out if you wanted to in the evening whereas now the shows are evening shows you get back quite late i'm usually just knackered (laughs) you know maybe because i'm older (laughs) um but i don't really think i do have a routine for certainly for after the shows maybe more pre-show i do um you know i try to keep my food very similar i i used to watch a lot of motivational videos before competitions just to try and get my head in the right mental space uh, but after competitions, I was just like, and relax. <laughs> what were some of the videos or personalities or, or people uh, that got you pumped up or in the right headspace prior to a competition? I've heard some people watch old, you know, uh, Matt Fraser years ago told me from before CrossFit competitions, he'd watch old Mike Tyson videos. Everyone kind of has their thing. Did you have a particular go-to? Uh, lots, you know, Rocky films, you know, seeing guys like Mike Tyson, Michael Jordan, I'd listen to most motivational speakers like, um, is it Dan Brown? Um, the, you know, there's, there's, there's so many on YouTube now that just, just got me fired up and, you know, the videos, I'll watch them again and again and again. Um, and it just got me in that headspace. I mean, I remember as a kid watching the Rocky films, just I probably about eight years old. I was like, I want to get to the gym. I want to do something. I was, I was doing Kung Fu at the time. And every single time I watched it, I wanted to get in the ring and fight someone. (laughs) Um, Sylvester Stallone movies, Arnold movies, things like that. You know, those traditional eighties type movies that we watched when my generation were were kind of younger. Um, But a lot of motivational stuff on YouTube, uh, whether it was kind of things that pumped me up or or kept me calm. Uh, But anything like that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your training now. You're no longer competing. Um, you've kind of had, I'll call it two, we'll call it two retirements at, at this point. But you know, you're someone who at this point, for you being active, moving is it's a lifestyle. How do you approach your your personal what what does your approach to fitness and wellness look like these days, uh, kind of after your competitive career? 
So, I mean, I, I've just very recently competed in um, the Royal Albert Hall uh, Giants Life Classic. So that was that was it for me. That is the official retirement. I'm done. Happy. It was the perfect way to, to send, you know, to have a send off. Uh, I really couldn't have asked for more. Um, so now my training has gone towards more fitness and health, uh, particularly right now, because I have a couple of injuries, injuries that I need to rehab. Um, and I don't think it's sensible to stay at 350 odd pounds if I, it's not necessary. You know, I'm not trying to be the world's strongest man anymore. I'm not trying to break records. Um, so currently I'm trying to bring my body weight down. I'm, I'm working with, um, John Anderson. And if you know, John, uh, former pro strongman, former pro, um, wrestler and currently a pro bodybuilder. So he's working with my nutrition to help bring my strength down whilst maintain as much muscle mass as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going real well. Uh, it's a different challenge, but I'm enjoying it. And I'm someone that needs a challenge. I think I've set myself a target of getting down to 300 pounds to start with. Uh, I'm going to address how my fitness is and my health at that level. They're the most important key factors for me. If I have abs, bonus. <laughs> but the fitness and health, you know, is more important. I've got three kids to think about, a wife. I don't want to keep pushing myself to try and lift or try and win the world's strongest man title at my age with the injuries that I've had. It's, you know, I've been doing strongman for almost 20 years and as much as I've loved every single minute of it, the ups and the downs, because they all, you know, were part of my career. Uh, I've been lucky now that I've moved into a different role. And I think because I have that, I can turn my back on, on the competing side of things uh, I do a lot of coaching and I love that side of it as well. I coach athletes, male and female, able body, you know, adaptive bodied, all sorts. And, um, absolutely love it from, from complete, well, some from like novice level right up to, you know, world level competitors. So it's really enjoyable. I think because I've got so much experience competing in many different types of events, using so much different kit, um, I can really help not just with the, the technical side of lifting, but the mental side as well. And yeah, it's just, you know, like you said, I'll, I'll always train. It's just part of who I am. So right now I'm training four days a week, but it's, it's, you know, I'm, I would guess it's a cross between bodybuilding and CrossFit type training that I'm doing. Um, and nutritionally, uh, I'm just trying to reduce my, my intake of, of calories and, and bring my body weight down to a, a more manageable weight. Is there anything, it could be a sport, it could be golf, it could be curling, it could be lawn darts for, for all I care. Anything in sporting that you were interested in pursuing as a hobby, but didn't really get to do it because of your strongman career, because so much of your physical and mental focus was was toward competing in strongman. Anything that you're excited to explore over the next few years? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I've always been very sporty. Uh, I was British champion at Kung Fu as a kid. Uh, I used to play rugby for the Southwest and, um, you know, rugby is big in the UK. Uh, I, I love playing rugby. I was a decent athlete, so I was good at throwing and actually sprinting as well, weirdly. Although I was big, I was always fast, um, which I think we saw in my strongman career. I was like, many strongmen are really yeah. quick. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, most strong men and most most top level athletes in any sport, they they are athletes and they can transition to different sports, but their training becomes specific. So sometimes people will look at a strong man and think there's no way they can be fast. They're however heavy, but 
we can be good at whatever we want to be good at. It's just we've decided to to focus on a certain sport um, that suits us, you know. Uh, and, you know, you see it with, you see Eddie and Thor, they're transitioning their training into something else and you're still doing well. You see some athletes that can just cross over into anything. Uh, they're just born gifted. Um, and I think, you know, to a degree, if you're a pro in a certain sport, you've got that mentality that you can push yourself hard. Um, half of the battle is that mental side. If you believe you can do it, and then you'll put the work in and, and make it happen. Um, since doing Strongman, I was playing darts for a while, which is a, a funny one. I used to, I, I love darts. I love watching it. I love playing it. Lawn darts, but, I just pulled that out of nowhere, by the way. So I wasn't too, too far off. No, you weren't too far. Um, and when I, when I retired from Strongman, I was playing a lot of darts. Uh, but then I set up my my businesses, and the darts became less and less. And, and now it's not a, you know it's not I'm not I'm not able to play at all just because of how busy I am. Uh, I really like arm wrestling. That's something I'm, I would say I'm a complete novice, but I'm pursuing arm wrestling a little bit more now. Uh, really enjoy that side of things. I enjoy the the technical aspects of arm wrestling, and I think. Because it's new for me, I've got that excitement for it. Whereas Strongman I've been doing for so long, uh, as much as I love Strongman, I still do, the the the, the arm wrestling side of things just is, is a bit more exciting. It feels like when I started Strongman. Um, so I'd like to, to push that a little. Um, and I'm one of these people that will always set myself weird strength goals, you know, particularly with... You may have seen I've been up in Scotland doing some of the, the traditional stones up there. I'd love to go over to Iceland and try some of theirs. Um, lots of feats of grip strength. I think grip strength can go, you can keep your, your hands strong. You know, and you see Odd Haugen in his, you know, 60s or 70s, and that guy's still a freak of nature. So there'll always be strength challenges that I want to, to pursue. Um, and, and I will keep training hard. I'll keep challenging myself. Uh, in in a variety of different ways, I may may even one day try something like a marathon or something like that. But uh, I just like being able to see what I can physically do. Well, I should say congrats on the Denny Stones record recently. By the way, I I, should, I, I may mention that I might mention that in the intro, which I record separately. But uh, speaking of feats of immense and, and world class grip strength, um, absolutely fantastic. It was it was amazing going up to Scotland. There, uh, there was no plan to try and break the record. I I, I I planned to go up there and try it, but I didn't really have... I couldn't train for it because I was training for the Royal Albert Hall. Um, but I think because of years and years of strongman training, and one of my best events was a farmer's walk. I was always very, very good at moving with weights. And my grip has always been, you know, I'd say I've got a world-class grip. I'm not in the, the league of a Mark Felix. That guy's on a level on his own. But I've been able to beat pretty much everyone at things like farmers, grip events over the years uh, and consistently as well. Um, and I think my ability to walk with weights helps me more on that than grip. Because a lot of people keep saying, oh, you know, I'd love to see Mark Felix do it. Well, Mark's done it. He, he's tried it a number of times um, and, and, and hasn't been able to go as far as I have. But Mark has never, certainly in the last 10 years, like I can remember, beaten me at farmers walk. Um, even though his grip's better, my ability to move with weight is better. And that that's a difference. I mean, these stones just constantly whack into your legs. And they're, they're, you've got 188 kilos in one hand. So that's over 400 pounds in one hand and then 340 odd pounds in the other. Um, it's very awkward, very painful. <laughs> but it was just 
the people that, that look after the stones up there, the people around that, that are involved in stone lifting are so passionate about what they do. And it just rubbed off on me when I was there. I, I just felt that I was part of their history and it just lit a fire in me. And I kind of really switched on uh, and I managed to, to, to not just break the record, but I smashed it to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's transition, uh, you know, as we kind of come up toward the end of this recording here. You mentioned a name earlier in the recording, someone who kind of reminded you of, of yourself, Evan Singleton, as an up-and-coming competitor, someone who is, I'll say, kind of burst onto the scene and onto a lot of uh, the radar of a lot of folks. But as a commentator and as a fan of the sport, um, are there any other names right now that pop up when you think of folks that you just really enjoy watching compete or specifically anyone who you enjoy doing commentary on when they compete? I Right now, I think we're in a very exciting time for the sport. There's a number of athletes that I have loads of time for and um, I'm genuinely excited to see competing. So I'm, I'm really excited to see Kiliuszkowski returning. Uh, he's going to be competing at the Wars event in uh, Dubai this month super excited to see him back in shape because if he's come back and he's even as good as like even close to as good as he was before i still rate him as the best strong man in the world so if he's back in shape that's going to be exciting we've got the return of lissis happening at the the rogue invitational so th- those two guys for me were sort of the guys we all looked at after Zadrunas and Brian and Thor and, you know, Eddie, these were the guys that were going to take the sport and, and battle it out between each other. Suddenly they both got injuries and we've seen an influx of incredible youngsters such as Novikov, such as Tom Stoltman, uh, Maxime Boudreau, uh, Evan Singleton, um, Trey Mitchell, you know, Bobby Thompson. There's just this list. Uh, Luke Stoltman, we'll chuck him in there. You know, there's so many great guys right now. I've, I'm missing off names as well. There really is so much talent in the, the, the pool of athletes right now that it's a very exciting time to, to watch Strongman because you're not getting the same guy dominate every single show and year after year. You can go to a show and we, I mean, we've seen it this year. We've almost had a different winner at every single show. Um, you know, all the Giants live have been different winners. You had World's Strongest Man where Tom Stoltman comes and wins. Novikov doesn't make the final of Worlds. He's the only athlete that's probably been the most consistent performer in all the other shows. He's got two wins and he's been on the podium in everything else that he's done, but he didn't make the final of World's Strongest Man. And it just shows how high the standard is right now. If someone's slightly off their game, if the events are slightly different, it all, you know, it, it changes everything in terms of the outcome. So for me, sitting there watching, doing the commentating, doing my analysis, it makes it fun because you just don't know who's going to win. It's certainly a, uh, I don't want to say it's a golden age for the sport because smarter people than I have to have to determine that, but it certainly is a great time to be a fan. It's certainly a great time to cover the sport. If folks want to follow along with the work you do, whether it be coaching, commentary, media, where are the best places for people to do that? The best place, uh, Big Law's official on YouTube. Uh, that's kind of where I am most active. Uh, but also Big Law's WSM on Instagram and my website, lawrencechatelet.co.uk. Thank you so much for joining us. An absolute pleasure getting to chat. And I look forward to you bringing us coverage of the sport for many years to come, but especially in the back half of 2021 with a lot of great competitions left to come. 
Thank you so much. Take it easy.